0: This is the Energy Podcast. I'm Sarah Picken-Brown, Integrated Movement Specialist, Wellness Coach of 20 years, and former pro athlete. Every week, we get down and dirty with all things fitness, nutrition, and mental health related, with an array of special guests who share their incredible stories, nuggets of advice, and answer your burning questions. So grab that drink, get comfy, and let's dive on in. Welcome to the Welgy podcast. I'm Sarah Picken-Brown and guys, it's Monday again. You know what happens on a Monday. We have a Welgy podcast and you get to meet another incredible athlete and inspiring individual. And this lady is no different. She became vegetarian at the age of six after a pamphlet was delivered to her family home explaining about battery hen farming. For the past 19 years, she's forged an athletic career and a nutrition brand as a vegan. She's one of the most well-known vegan athletes in the UK as a duathlete and GB team member, member of Mersey Tri and the vegan runners clubs. She's currently ranked sixth in the world for sprint duathlon and recently, in October 2020, bought home a gold medal and a European Masters Championship title. She also bought home two team silver medals. She has written for the Huffington Post, Runner's World, health and fitness magazines across the UK and Europe on veganism and also fitness. And in 2011, she launched her own nutrition brand, the nutrition vegan brand, Brevora. They are one of the leading vegan distributors on the market and found in over 4,000 stores in the UK, including Tesco, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Morrison's, Asda, Whole Foods, Planet Organic, Grape Tree, TK Maxx, and Holland and Barrett. I'd love to welcome to the podcast Lisa Gawthorne. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's an
1: absolute pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. Now,
0: how has things been going with your training, given that we're just coming out of now a global pandemic? Has it impacted you much?
1: It has, yeah. Um, The the main thing for for me and for for any athlete of any level is that we've had a a massive lack of competition or ability to compete, um, both domestically and internationally as well. So that's really been quite tough Um, Tough because we all revolve around a cycle of training for races and getting race fit. So it's quite tough from a motivational point of view because at the moment you're just having to tick over and stay as near to, to being race fit as you can without the uh, the actual races there. So it has been tough. But saying that. I was fortunate last year to get, you know, a couple of good races in just before um, we were put into lockdown. Um, so not many people managed to do that, but I did. I managed to to go out and um, compete in Pontarombia in, in March and also competed in, in Madeira in October. Um, but yeah it's been, a, it's been a long process and I think that it has been uh, quite challenging um, the part that I would say I've enjoyed is, is not having to get up really early in the morning and, and uh, having to hike down to races at 4am, you know, 5am in the morning because I always find that quite tough uh, but the biggest part that I miss is the, um, you know, the community involvement and seeing all my running friends and, and family etc um, and actually getting to, to test out your fitness but it's been tough, it's been tough for us all
0: What are the the main things from a mental health management perspective that you've found have really helped you through this time?
1: I think um, I'd say routine. And so I think if if you've not had routine during lockdown, and actually it goes far beyond nutrition and fitness, I think that, you know, you will have struggled because I think routine brings structure. Um, And even if you haven't got, let's say, your your, uh, end game of having a race, you can still have Other sort of sub-gains and um, sub-objectives of doing things like, well, I want to have got down to a 20-minute 5k by, you know, July, or I want to have PBs on the shoulder press by May, etc. And once you put some goals like that into, um, into a plan, then it's quite easy to just plot out all the baby steps that go on week by week, month by month. So I think that certainly for me, that, that mechanism and, and that method of working has worked really well. Um, I think without structure, uh, I would have struggled um, and without that kind of plan of attack for everything, really, in terms of nutrition, fitness, um, and then breaking it down into its um, secondary parts of cycling specific, running specific and weight specific then uh, I would have struggled. But that's definitely helped me um, just knowing that I've got goals each day that are always kind of joining together um, to achieve the wider goal as well.
0: So you really do break it down to goals each day, every day that you wake up. Obviously not at 5 a.m. anymore, but um, (laughs) we'll probably come back into it. But um, you do have specific goals each day that you try and, and knock over
1: yeah absolutely so each day is is normally structured in a way where i know i've either got to run a certain uh, mileage or cycle a certain mileage and then that's broken down even further into whether that's steady state whether it's interval and um, whether it's heart rate training and um, every type of workout i always think to myself if you've got an hour on the clock you have to maximize that hour and use it as best you can don't just kind of do a workout We're doing a workout so you can really think about what you want to achieve in that workout and um, so hence everything is structured um, throughout the week with regards to all those sessions. And how
0: do you go then with managing things like injuries because you know, I'm sure that there, through the course of your career, there have been little niggles that creep in, you know, particularly doing things that are endurance-based. There's usually a little wear and tear that goes on. How do you manage yeah. things like that? And how do you um, move through injuries when they do creep up to still keep achieving goals and targets?
1: Yeah. It's a very good question and you are completely right Sarah with regards to any endurance bunny out there they'll tell you that they're, they're probably permanently injured and it is a real, real tough sport to do without getting injured um, and I myself have carried a fair few injuries over the years and um, I think that the biggest thing to, to say is when you get injured you have to mentally accept You can't carry on doing your schedule um, because if you mentally accept that, then it's easy to plan ahead as to what you can do. Um, So many people believe, well, I've got an injury, but I'll be back in a few weeks. They go back too early, they cause more injury and then they're out for a longer time. So as much as it is the hardest thing in the world and anyone around me will tell you that I am terrible when I'm injured, um, you know, there's that kind of sort of cycle that you go through where you, you you do the denial at first and then eventually you do get to acceptance. And then what I tend to do, Um, And particularly this is a benefit for for mental health as well, is that you have to think about, okay, so I'm injured. uh, I may have done my knee or my calf. So what am I going to do? And where are the other areas I can potentially work on whilst that area is healing? Um, So for me particularly, the first thing that tends to go is, okay, I'm bringing my mileage right down to nothing on running if I'm really injured. Um, And I may only do light biking. And there may even be a couple of weeks where I don't do light biking at all. And I may even just go on to weights and really focus on strength. So I'll tend to focus on different quadrants of fitness that may be um, overlooked somewhat when I'm back on the endurance scale of just kind of you know running and cycling etc. Um, and I'm also a big believer in trying to think along the lines of um, there's got to be a silver line on, on the cloud sometimes when you get injured it actually gives you time to process well, what are your next goals going to be and actually does cross training benefit you more as, um, as an athlete so I found this uh, particularly back in 2016 when I had um, a knee problem I had a small knee operation that I went into hospital for Previous to that, I was always a runner and I just went out and ran, ran, ran every single day, didn't do any cross training or anything on those lines, but actually being injured and having a good rehab team around me saying you need to go on the bike and you need to kind of rehab on the bike. I fell in love with cycling and that within itself was how I actually stumbled upon duathlon because of the opportunity to actually step back and say hang on there is something else other than running out there Um, and then I actually actively looked into what is the sport that I can combine the two cycling and running and that is actually how I got into duathlon through through injury so it goes to show that you know you can find the benefits
0: yeah for sure now you also do triathlons as well don't you
1: No, just duathlon. So no swimming at all. Yeah. So a duathlon for anyone that doesn't know, is like a triathlon, uh, but a triathlon is run, bike, swim. Um, But a duathlon, we switch the swim at the end to another run. So it's particularly good for runners because you're doing a run, then bike, then run. Absolutely. So going
0: now onto your vegan journey and being vegetarian at the age of six, as we mentioned in the introduction, uh, that is a very, strong-willed and tough-minded six-year-old that uh, made that decision right way back when. Tell us about that. And what's that journey been like for you, particularly being an athlete?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I've always been strong-willed, and I think my parents would uh, would, would tell you that as well. And and um, right from the first uh, day of learning, uh, really through through a, a petal leaf that came through the door about um, animals and Animal farming, and I made that connection. Um, and quite honestly, I just asked the open questions my parents and made that connection and asked them, "Is this what meat is?" And they were very honest with me, which I always applaud. Um, and I basically just said from this day on was mum, dad, you know, I can't, I can't bear that. I love animals and I don't want to eat them. And I think in the early stages, they definitely thought it was a fad. So for the first, I'd say the first week or so, they continued to put meat on my plate and thought, she'll, you know, she'll get out of it, kind of thing. And then they soon realised, actually, she's not eating anything. She's just eating the vegetables. We've, we've got to actively look into what it's going to be like raising a vegetarian child. And they were very supportive. And, you know, we all did a lot of research. And, you know, at the time, you know... <laughs> So it's 1987 we're looking at. Um not a great deal of, of, of options on the market. Um, so in, in those days I survived on things like you know bird's eye vegetable fingers and you know Lindsay McCartney ranges, um, very carb heavy, very carb driven with regards to pizza grains, um, pastas, rices, etc um you know thankfully we move forward to today and there's a a hell of a lot more choice out there um but i've actually found that the vegan nutrition side of things and and switching then from being vegetarian into, into vegan back in 2003 i've only ever seen more benefits um and benefits not necessarily just linked to uh, the top level of sport with regards to performance but also the other things that club together to also help that performance so things like better sleep uh, better skin health um, you know I just feel more in control of my mindset all those things have kind of helped me along the way um, and I've definitely seen you know benefits from that over the years even switching from vegetarian to into veganism again better performance, better sleep, better skin health. So it's, it's all been um, a real kind of advantageous journey from me. I would say. Did
0: you notice any um, shifts or hormonal shifts when you did do the, the transfer into veganism from vegetarianism?
1: No, um, now I suffer from polycystic ovary syndrome. So I have my own hormonal uh, situations anyway there. So that may have, may have masked some of the problems. But um, no, it didn't. Um, yeah, I've got to self-confess, in the early days, I was never really um, into things like cheeses and milks and things like that. So I was never big on dairy. So when I switched out, the only things that I was really switching out of was things that maybe had traces of in or, you know, small things for instance cake that obviously had egg and things like that um, so I know a lot of people do struggle and they say oh you know I really missed the cheese and fortunately for me I've never had that problem because I never had it in the first place um, so I think that that probably also smoothed out any potential imbal- imbalances that I may or may not have seen from, from a hormonal point of view.
0: What would you advise women, but people in general, I, I will say specifically women because the hormonal impacts of um, cutting out certain food groups can be quite um, profound for some women. Um, what would be your advice for anybody wanting to go from um, perhaps they're, they're eating a full complement of animal-based products to going purely plant-based? What would you suggest to them and what sort of time frame would you do it in?
1: Well, the first thing I would say, and I get asked this question a lot, actually, is that Rome wasn't built in a day, and I think too many people think, oh, right, I've made a decision today on a Monday, so Tuesday I've got to throw everything out and start afresh, and I think that that kind of mindset is not very good in the way that... What you're doing is you're not giving your body any time to adapt. So I would say set realistic goals. And that first thing, maybe, to run down the foods that you've got in your house anyway, don't beat yourself up about it. You know, you're going on to a new diet plan over time. And set realistic goals in the way that you may not be able to make the shift overnight and say, okay, I'm reducing all meat, all fish, all dairy. It may be all too much. So what a lot of people do and see benefits from is doing a a process of elimination diet. in some respects so we start with just removing the meat at first or some parts of the meat so you may say like okay week one i'm going to try not to eat chicken or week two i'm then going to go on to maybe um, reducing fish and then you know week three week four i'm going to start to reduce and i think the the whole reductarian approach to things where you're reducing things gradually over time normally has a higher success rate of you continuing with that diet in the long term rather than just trying to switch everything off overnight. So in terms of general timeframes that I advise people on, is, I say, you know, take yourself between one to three months to actually transition. And During those one to three months, what you really want to be focusing on is for every meat um, or dairy product that you're taking out, get comfortable with what your alternative is going to be. So what that involves is people going to the shops or shopping online, whichever way they're going to do it, and trying a lot of products, because we all know, as with any diet or with any lifestyle, if you try a product that isn't nice... It can put you off and you can think, oh, I just can't stand this diet because if everything tastes like this product here, I'm never going to be able to do it. And we all do it. I do it myself. I try 10 or 15 different types of foods before I pick out the top two or three that I think, yeah, that suits me. It suits my body and it tastes nice. It's good in macros. And those things do take a, a long time. So with regards to that, I would say take time and take that over three months, um, minimum really, I would say, and just get comfortable with the alternatives. And again, you'd move on to the dairy alternatives then, and you'd also move on to um, things like the egg alternatives as well and the egg replacement products and things like that, which are really easy to, to, to attain in, in this day and age.
0: So with the, the foods that you have been trying and, and no doubt having successes and failures and all sorts of things over the course of turning vegan. Was that one of the key reasons for you then developing your own food brand?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've always had personal frustrations as, as far back as I can remember with regards to why aren't there certain products on the market, um, particularly in the impulse uh, categories that we, we actually um, we sell our products in. So Bravura Foods is, is a business that has a plethora of products, mainly in healthy snacking and confectionery um, and impulse. So we do gelatin-free, egg-free, dairy-free products. Um, and we basically take the nation's favourite sweets and we develop them with vegan bees. Um, and you are completely correct. It's something that was uh, very much a bugbear for me and, and a personal um, goal to try and bring that to the market uh, with my business partner Carl. Um, and we looked at market gaps and very quickly realised where they were and started to structure our, our branded developments, uh, both in terms of brands we import from around the world and also brands we develop ourselves. Um, and obviously went in and spoke to all the supermarkets, which we're, we're glad to say that we uh, we trade with really successfully to this.
0: Time. amazing so you tend to focus on on the snacky type things and the, the sweet things is that to suggest that you have quite a sweet tooth or is it because of the amount of training that you do that you can actually have your sweet tooth uh have your cake rather and eat it too
1: um, me personally, yes, I, I do. Um, I, I Unfortunately for me, I love sugar. <laughs> um, and I know I can get away with it probably a little bit more than most because of the endurance side of things. But I'm also no fool to realise that you can't out-train a bad diet as well. So obviously, it's about having the sugar in moderation. Um, So yes, I think that part of it is because uh, of the way that I am, but also because of my pedigree and background in, um, in the FMCG market, because ever since I graduated, I've always worked for big multinationals that have always developed me as a marketeer um, through the brand management ranks right up to marketing director ranks. Um, And I've worked on really fun brands, you know, kids' biscuits and kids' sweets and stuff. So it's almost what I know, what I'm comfortable with and what my um, kind of skill set is very in tune with. And that's kind of complemented along the lines of uh, me also being vegan.
0: Amazing. Well, what are the next plans for coming out of this pandemic? What's, what is due next in terms of your competition uh, rollout and and any other plans for the coming 12 months?
1: I ended 2020 on a very positive note. I went over to Madeira and came back the, uh, the European age group champion for 10K, which was absolutely made up about. So I want to kind of continue that successful strong theme. And um, so I'm glad to say that I've got the, if they go ahead, I've got the European Championships for duathlon in Romania and um, the first week in July. Obviously, travel is still a little bit um, kind of under the, uh, under the microscope at the moment. So we're just waiting to find out if that's going to take place. Hopefully it will. And um, so that's the first of the big competitions that I'm looking forward to. And um, the second of which is the World Championships. And that's going to be held in Holland the first week in September. Um, and in between those two uh, championships, I'm going to be doing uh, kind of a balanced collection of what I would say, uh, a mixed collection of 5K and 10K um, road races for running um, to keep up the, uh, the endurance speed uh, from the running. But also i um, throwing in quite a lot of time trials, 10 mile time trials on my bike as well, just to try and get my speed up there. Because what I, my area that I go into is sprint duathlon. So that's normally a five kilometer run at the beginning. then 20 kilometers on the bike in the middle and then two and a half kilometers at the end on the run. so it's all very much fast eyeballs out for the whole thing so there's nowhere to hide with it so everything's about speed and power and but also you've got to have the endurance over the three disciplines as well so it's a really good mixture of speed power and endurance
0: sorry i was just going to say one of those one of those events uh last an average um competitor and and what are you pulling those times and just for people who I'm not really sure what what the kind of gauge of an event would last.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, it's always difficult to to give a full average because it all depends on whether you've gone on a very hilly course or a very flat course. But if we take if I try and take a mean in, in between the two, I'd probably say that you know anywhere between an hour and five and an hour and fifteen is really fast. Mm-hmm. I normally come in somewhere between an hour and nine and an hour and twelve. Um, sometimes it's an hour and six if i have got the wind with me and it's downhill at the end it just depends but the nearer you can get towards the, the hour mark is is fantastic but the thing about duathlon is it's, it's a beautiful sport because there's a lot of people that take part in it because it's um it's such satisfaction of completing it you know any multi-sport is the same so there are people that will take two hours doing it but they'll feel the same satisfaction as as anyone else up in the elite field, because it's all about getting out there and just just doing your best. Because you can never do more than doing your best on race day.
0: Absolutely. Well, you certainly. Um run rings around me in terms of a 5k. I wouldn't even tell you what my own 5k runtime is because it's just embarrassing. So (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would agree with that. So what can we expect from the digital event topic that you'll be sharing with us um, in the June event that we're sending out online for everyone who can buy tickets to that? What can we expect from you?
1: So I am going to probably be covering, um, well, I'm trying to cover as much as possible within the town space that we've got but really trying to keep it keep it vegan specific because I am very conscious that um, there isn't a lot of um, let's say a heavy voice um, that's heard in the marketplace with regards to um, veganism and athletics and also the nutrition that backs up as well so I'm going to try and keep it towards that kind of area so that if anyone has got anything that they're thinking about doing it over the coming months and it might not necessarily even be someone that's thinking about turning vegan but someone that's maybe thinking about becoming flexitarian and they're worried about how that's going to affect them in sports etc so really just thinking about um those kind of success stories as well that, that go around in the um, in the industry for people that are doing those kind of things
0: absolutely well it sounds incredible and i certainly um am very interested to hear any tips and things that you will be sharing with us on that uh, June event and you can buy tickets online to that as well as the physical event in September at www.wellnergy.co.uk. Now if you want to find out any more about Lisa and her uh, events coming up perhaps you would like to follow her Uh, maybe you've got some questions for her that uh, only she can answer then you can find her at all of her socials and her website which will be listed in the bio within this podcast. Um, Lisa, is there anything else that people need to know about you that you must share?
1: Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that before it's a brilliant question I mean I think you said it at the beginning I think that I just want people to take away from uh, whenever they meet me uh, or whenever they spend time listening to me I just hope that they get a positive vibe because I'm very positive as a person with regards to the overall um, fitness movement the overall vegan movement even in business I'm also a speaker for female empowerment so I just like to say that um, I hope that my positivity comes through and shines and and maybe in inspires others out there as well absolutely now can people book you for corporate speaking events they can indeed yes yeah. so um, my agents at one tribe talents they manage all my bookings for speaking sure in the year so the bookings that i tend to do are things along the lines of sports and fitness events anything with regards to veganism in the plant-based market and also anything with regards to um females in business as well
0: brilliant and it's uh wonderful having a very strong and very strong-willed um, female voice within the fitness industry but also within veganism itself and, and particularly at this time where women need to be represented with strong leaders across the board. So thank you very much for, for sharing your uh, passion for veganism and also for your athletics as well.
1: My
2: The fruit.